Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast. We're here to talk to you about board games, card games, and role-playing games. All kinds of news stories and discussion to be had this week. Some big, earth-shattering things going on in the world that we're going to get to. My name is Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler, and yeah, the year may be coming to a close, but apparently the world's board game is like, we still got a few more tricks for you. Yes, it's really it's really making some time at the last minute to surprise us. It's the week of Christmas. It's also the week of Festivus. So happy those to anybody who celebrates either one of them. Now, we do have to begin our show before we get to the juicy stuff by talking about our podcast mascot, Roland F. Criterion. Who, if anyone doesn't know, is our Dungeons and Dragons created mascot who goes on adventures every week and we have to resolve them and and figure out how that's going to go and what it means for the rest of our show. Now, last week, Roland was accosted by a strange merchant and he decided to steal a mysterious potion from the merchant. The merchant claimed that it would uh, give him great power. Uh, it's it's on his person. We don't know yet. Roland has stolen it. <laughs> uh, as, and this was as he was approaching a town. So now, finally, after being out in the wilderness for a while, he's walking up to the gates of this town when a guard appears, of course, from the gates and stops him in his tracks and says, hold on, we're doing a random search. And uh, starts patting Roland down, finds his hand drum, his loot, all his all his miscellaneous gear, picks up this strange potion and is suspicious of it and says, what is this and where did you get it from? Oh, no, Roland's in trouble. Fortunately, to help us decide what Roland is going to do and to talk about other things this week, we have a special guest joining our party today. He is a writer, producer, director and host of the dragon's tomb on youtube welcome to the show jeff kornberg hey thanks for having me on excited to chat about board games yes we are happy that you are here before we chat about board games we really need your help you have to help poor roland out do you have any suggestions any input as to what roland should do and really the world's your oyster if it helps you roland is an awesomeer bard so he's kind of a celestial being, and he's uh, charismatic, good with words, good with music, and he has this strange potion he's stolen. How, how's he going to react to this guard? I think you got you got to live life dangerously and take risks. So I, I think he should just down the potion. I mean, that seems the most exciting. <laughs> and I don't know, and stuff like this, the, the most exciting thing usually leads to more interesting results. So that would be my pick. All right. I mean, that sounds good to me. What do you think, Will? <laughs> oh, yeah, but I don't know. This is the first time I, I don't know. Like, usually it's like, he should try this. Okay, we do a roll. I don't, I'm not going to roll it. I think it's just, you got to tell us what happens when he drinks his potion. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do a roll. <laughs> I'm going to do a roll behind my, behind my DM screen. Cause uh, we got to figure out what is this, wh what is the effect of this potion going to be, which was claimed to be, to give great power. Uh, but who knows? It, it could be bad. All right. I don't and have that. Yes. I'm glad you're doing it behind your screen so we can't see. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to, you know, be aware of, of what's going on. All right. So Roland, he just he just grabs this potion back from the guard, <laughs> chugs it straight down. No idea uh, what's going to happen. He at first at first there's there's no effect. Everything seems everything seems all right. Outside of a bewildered guard. <laughs> 
That's right. The guard is the guard is taken aback, a little bit confused, uh, but he's he's just kind of curious. He's watching what's going on. Uh, Roland start, starts to turn a bit green in color, uh, a little bit. He looks starts to look a little bit sickly, and uh, he he feels like maybe he's gonna maybe he's gonna bring up some 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 breakfast or some of his uh some of his sandwich that he made in an earlier episode. <laughs> he leans over to the side and starts hurling out fireballs from his mouth onto the ground. And uh the the guard has to roll for uh <laughs> the guard's gonna have to roll for for a saving throw to see now, if he can get out of that the I way. can roll. <laughs> oh no. Oh no <laughs> That's a critical miss. <laughs> yeah, I think Roland has just accidentally immolated <laughs> the guard at the front of the city, which could Did cause trouble for him. Could cause trouble for him later on. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out next week. But Jeff, you, it's it's been five minutes, and you have caused chaos already on our show. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, good. It's a good thing that you're here, spicing things up for us, spicing things up like a spicy flame okay so uh now we're gonna get into the show actually before we do i do want to uh touch base real quick because i know we were all at pax unplugged a couple weeks ago and uh, didn't really uh, we saw you very briefly didn't have time to really chat with you but you put out a pax unplugged video that i think was better coverage than anything <laughs> that we did honestly <laughs> I, I found it i found it pretty fascinating uh but how was your experience at the show this was my third time at pax um and yeah this i mean first time in two years and normally i do a, a more traditional coverage video where I interview publishers and talk about their latest games. Um, but this one with everyone wearing masks, I feel like I, I, I didn't think it would be as intriguing doing interviews that way. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So if you haven't seen my videos, just me sort of outside of the convention hall reporting on like the outside hallway, the carpet, some statues and random construction <laughs> and stuff like that. But yeah, that the convention itself, um, I, I played a lot of games um more than more than usual because i think normally my video does take longer to make this one i just filmed in like three hours um <laughs> but i played some crocodile i played honey buzz radlands might have been my favorite one of the weekend knit avalier mm. nova luna um and yes yeah, a lot of people haven't seen in two years yeah yeah that's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad to hear you had a good time. And yeah, it was it was I mean, I honestly do. I know it's a joke, but honestly, there's there is something about that video that's like, oh, this is kind of a part of the experience that people don't always see is mm -hmm. outside of the hall. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But those sound uh, Radlands is one. Yeah, we haven't tried. Is that is it? Is that a final game? You can buy that, right? That's actually out at retail. Um, I don't think it's out yet. I think it's still pre-order, but they had okay. it available at PAX. Mm. I could be wrong on that. Um, but it's very hard out. nowadays because even they don't know. They're like, did our ship come in? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but that's one we got to try. All right. Let's get to that earth-shattering news now with the news roundup. News roundup. That beautiful sound, of course, means that we are in the news roundup segment of our podcast. And where to start? I think this will be this is this is probably the biggest story of the entire year in board games. It involves the Asmodee conglomerate, which we've learned a couple of months ago was put on the market for someone somewhere to buy. And now it seems it's I'm pretty sure it's fully official. 
although the deal is not all the uh, dots, uh, eyes have not been dotted. The crosses have not been teed. I don't know how you say these phrases, but uh, <laughs> by the end of February, I think, or, or very early next year, everything's going to be put in place for Asmodee to have been acquired by the Embracer Group for, oh, about around to the tune of 2.75 billion euros, uh, which is just over $3 billion USD. What a steal. I know, really a good deal. And the Embracer Group, for anyone who doesn't know, is another conglomerate themselves. But before this, they've really just worked in the world of video games. They are the parent company over Nor uh, THQ Nordic, as well as uh, Coke Media, uh, several others. They've got uh, video game publishers like Gearbox Entertainment and Deep Silver is under there somewhere. Some big publishers that you've definitely heard the names of they have a lot of different little companies they're kind of like the asmodee of video games in some ways and now they have asmodee uh, alongside this story we also learned that asmodee plans on raising its prices on several of its products which is uh, which they just did a few months ago they are now doing it again and also that apparently before they were purchased asmodee themselves also acquired the online store miniature market so, I mean, any one of these stories could have been a whole discussion on our podcast, but maybe we kind of bring them all together or start by focusing on the Embracer purchase itself. Jeff, I, what, what has your take been on all this Asmodee stuff up until now? Them as this big company, does this, has it worried you in the past? Does it worry you now? Does any part of this strike you as particularly positive or negative? Well, I feel for a while Asmodee has already sort of been like the big corporate overlord of board gaming. Mm -hmm. And for so, sure. so yeah, I mean, I don't anticipate it changing. I'm trying to think what could they do? Like they've been acquiring things over the years. So now they've been acquired. What are they going to do? Just in, like acquire even more places and <laughs> other publishers Pro probably. So maybe that will happen at a speedier rate. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. It seems like miniature market was acquired a while ago and they haven't made any changes even after being acquired. So who's to say if that's going to come or if they are going to just like leave things be for for some aspects of the company? Yeah, that is it's a strange one because this was found. Uh, there was a board game geek post, I believe, is the, the first finding of it that uh, it was like buried in this presentation made uh, by the Embracer group that's like, oh, yeah, by the way, if you check this little note here, it turns out we also bought Miniature Market. Like there was no real big announcement of it, which is I not I mean, it doesn't make me feel great. <laughs> like, why are they trying to hide it or do they just think nobody cares, maybe, which maybe nobody does. I don't know. Mm. Will, what do you, I mean, we've been speculating about Asmodee purchase. Do you have any strong feelings about the Embracer group? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just feels like just another big group. And I feel like at most nothing should come of it yet until they find a fool who thinks they can buy Asmodee at a higher price. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I would maybe, I think it's a 1% be like, oh, now we're going to get Gearbox to work on Asmodee games or something, you know, weird, maybe some fun crossovers that way the miniature marker thing was just more knowing that we found out later <laughs> to me it's it's less them actually buying and more that we only it took so long if anything the price hike thing is the one that annoys me the most because i think uh, according to the article that we have it says to offer quality service their retail clientele via distribution sales marketing 
I haven't heard many good stories when it comes to customer service in Asthma Day, like in terms of replacing components and whatnot. Well, they had to raise the prices so it could be good now. <laughs> That's this was the this was the step they needed to take. Well, it yeah. says continue to offer, not begin mm. to offer. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The last time they raised prices, everyone was like, "Well." the shipping crisis, like it's understandable. And now it seems like, okay, you're just greedy, right? You just want more money. You're like, they're not even, they could, didn't even bother to lie and say, it's still really hard to ship stuff, which maybe would have been, I don't know, better or worse. One thing I'll say about the Embracer group, it's interesting that they are in the sphere of gaming. So looking at a silver lining side of this, I do like that it's a company that, under at least in some regard understands games and entertainment in general that it's not just like a banking group or something you know that bought like i don't even know what the, the last one pie partners or whatever i can't even remember what they do they just buy stuff right like that's their thing <laughs> like at least this is a group that i could see them caring more about what what these games are actually for this will by the way i think they're like already if they're not they are now the largest gaming company in europe like the largest game publisher in europe or something or they own the most european video game companies i don't know so they could be just as bad as everyone else uh the miniature market thing yeah also it is interesting they haven't done anything with it yet nothing as we said it doesn't seem like anything has changed but the fact that Asmodee now just has so much control over, you know, first it was the games, then it was also on the publishing side, making exclusive deals. And now the retail end of it, it still might end up that hopefully the consumer doesn't notice any of this stuff. But I mean, it's just always, it always seems bad. <laughs> it doesn't seem good to me. It, it, it makes me fear for the, for the future of these games. I don't know. Even if even if they're a uh, a benevolent dictator, <laughs> it still it still seems like it's going to be bad news somewhere down the line. Am I am I am I am I reading too much into it? Am I am I fear mongering? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> my guess, the miniature market, honestly, like I don't think we'll see changes. I'm I my reasoning is they actually own it, for lack of a term, as a spy. Like if they hear like, oh, so this is what they want uh, data. Yeah, it's really just a data collection. Like, oh, they're selling the game for this now. So maybe we can sell for this or we have to, we should drop the price of this. I mean, that would I think be my the, guess. You know, the worst case kind of speculation is because Asmo Day is usually all about selling things at full price, especially at brick and mortar. And even online, they have, you know, all these specific map pricing things where that's when retailers online have to do stuff like, You'll see the price when it's in your cart, but we can't advertise it because technically then Asmodee won't let us sell their stuff. This is a way for them to just say, well, no, if you're buying from miniature market, we're selling it full price. We might, maybe we don't want to do a discount. Uh, that, I mean, they, they absolutely could do that, but that would also require them having to restrict heavily to everywhere else because hypothetically, let's say, they sell the new their newest game at seventy dollars in miniature market, but I can pick it up at fifty at cool stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, no, it's true. But this this could be step one. You know, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It's 
it's something to consider. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. But now we know. Now we know. Embracer has embraced Asmodee, and I guess we all should embrace that. Um, any any other final thoughts? I don't know any regarding Asmodee. Anyone? Yeah, I, I just hope that if they are increasing the prices, I hope it does increase their customer service and the replacement parts. I know that was a big deal when they like scaled that down, and that was them, right? Where they, yeah, like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like if they're just increasing prices, and if things get back to normal and their prices resume pre-pandemic things, keeping the prices tough, but then not making a better product doesn't seem like the best move from a consumer standpoint to their standpoint. I'm sure it, it, it's great. <laughs> right. Hopefully we'll see some actual, like a tangible thing they do. If they open up a new website and actually you can, you know, email us at this specific address and, or we have a new form where you can tell us exactly which part you're missing. Mm-hmm. Cause if, yeah, if, if you don't see any of that after a few months, then it's just, clear they just wanted the money i think yeah. uh, but we'll see if any stories start to creep out about people having positive experiences with them because yeah. people love to share the negative ones <laughs> i, know I just hope they do a reprint of the artisans of Nikwala five tribes expansion because that's my favorite expansion of all time and you can't get anywhere anymore <laughs> oh there you go you're listening asmoday <laughs> get get the five tribes people on that yeah, have you checked? Uh, have you checked eBay or Board Game Geek Market? Anyone's- I mean, I have it. I just see a lot of people <laughs> complaining, and I'm like, man, that's like my favorite expansion. I wish more people could play. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's an even worse bummer when the thing you you can't tell people to get a thing you like because yeah. it's impossible. <laughs> We've had that experience before. Okay, so next we're gonna move on to another gigantic company, Wizards of the Coast. Specifically in regards to Dungeons and Dragons, they have been making some changes to their rule set and lore over the past year. They've talked about it before a little bit, specifically in regards to uh, kind of the political correctness, so to speak, of some of their races and classes and the fact that traditionally certain races were just always known as evil uh, or stupid or what have you as described in the books and they obviously didn't thought that was kind of a bad look in this day and age and wanted players to be able to be encouraged to create characters of those uh, races with all kinds of different attributes and do whatever they wanted with them and now they have gone through kind of a big sweeping set of changes following up on this new endeavor specifically one of the biggest ones that people have been talking about is a whole lot of lore for various races, including orcs, uh, kobolds, gnolls. And whereas before there would be a little paragraph of lore describing them, now it just kind of says, check out this table to learn more about the attributes and traits of these creatures. So they didn't actually replace these with anything. But a lot of them are things like all of these creatures. Honestly, some of them say just like, these are really stupid creatures and (laughs) they're weak and dumb and they do evil things. Uh, And now that those are gone. So there's a few other things here and there, but that was kind of the big one people were talking about. Some people are not happy about this. They they like the lore. It's hard to say, you know, with the social media um, um, debates that goes on, how many of those people are earnest or just trolls or or what the prevailing opinions are among anybody jeff are you generally someone who keeps up with dungeons and dragons and what's your take on this this lore do you think it's 
makes sense. It's for the best that they got rid of it. Uh, I've only actually played Dungeons and Dragons once, and I enjoyed it that one time, so I would play more. Um, so I, I did hear about this. I personally think, I, I, I wish they did replace it. I don't like that they took it away and they're just putting like a chart there. That, to me, mm-hmm. doesn't seem like the best call. Um, but I do feel like if 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 this is just sweeping generalizations, there's no downside to replacing it and making it more realistic. Like, like there is no thing in the real world where every person of or every creature of this sort is stupid. Like, that's not a realistic thing. So if they did replace it with like, hey, like there's a variety of uh, personalities in, in this group. Um, I feel like that is more true to life. And I'm sure they can accomplish the things they wanted to accomplish by labeling an entire organization stupid um, in different ways, more realistic ways. So yeah, I am a little bummed that they're not being replaced. It does feel kind of lazy. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, eh, get rid of it. You'll figure out what these creatures are or aren't, or maybe we'll get to it later or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's always the argument that this is a fantasy world. So isn't it in this world? Why can't all these creatures be evil? Or why couldn't a whole race of aliens be evil? I don't know that we need to have that argument right now. <laughs> That's I don't know that it's really worth uh, rehashing that much. But Will, what do you think? Is is this lazy? <laughs> Did they do enough here? <laughs> I'm torn. Um, part of me is like reading, for example, a co- I think part of the fun of a cobalt is that they're not usually smart. And I feel when you play D&D, you also, at least after your first game, you know that like if you want to play smart cobalt, you can. Obviously, there's some lines in here, which I get, especially when it comes to playable this is more for the non-playable characters but like they have a line that isn't as stupid as an orc (laughs) you know you people can play as orcs so i imagine like things like that the fact that they reach into the digital versions and remove them Mm -hmm. like i always feel bad and i sort of see like the one of the annoying things too is like I imagine sticking with wizards when they like with magic, when you go to different worlds, goblins could be different. They could be really generally not the smartest people in one plane. Another plane could be one of the top artifice artificers. So it's like, maybe you should remove it maybe because it's like, unless it's, this is specifically for forgotten realms or, you know, whatever new specific world they want this way. Anyone can just be like, look, this is what a giant is. This is their stats. You got to have some kind of a baseline, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think the way to handle this is really, I think of the Klingons on Star Trek The Next Generation, where, you know, in in the original series, they were just warlike bad guys. And then Next Generation, it was like, well, they have kind of a, a culture of war and, and all these things, but that doesn't mean that every single Klingon aligns with that culture 100% and feels this way and that like i think you can retain a lot of the cobalt-esque features or whatever the creature is while still making it clear that there's room for growth or change or diversity amongst them yeah Yeah. i I agree with that i also feel like i'm guessing they're doing this because they've found it is having a negative effect hey maybe it is teaching kids that this is a thing in the bigger world i mean for me i feel like it's not affecting me but if they are finding it is having a real world negative effect and they can make 
the real world more positive while not really altering the game. As long as they're finding a creative solution, I, I think it's a there's no problem with this. Yeah, I that's the other. I usually think most changes when something like this comes up, you know, they they did some research. You know, they don't just mm -hmm. blindly do it. So if it being making changes that hopefully for making Dungeons and Dragons more accessible to people is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I do like that as well. Yeah, I think the other possible criticism against them is. I don't know if maybe hypocrisy is too strong a word, but this is just like weeks after uh, it was noticed that they forgot to credit a diversity consultant in one of their recent D&D books and other kinds of like reports about the general atmosphere of the workplace at Wizards of the Coast that haven't been great that, uh, you know, maybe one of the things you could say is they're just doing this like they should be focusing on areas of their business that are actually harming people and being negative towards diverse groups as opposed to this just kind of eh, just rip it out and hopefully it'll people will be happy about it <laughs> right the, the easier delete instead of making changes right but so that's something to acknowledge but i don't think it means that they shouldn't be dealing with this mm -hmm. but it's something to note uh we will see we'll see how how but and as always with dungeons and dragons i mean the great thing about it is you can do whatever you want so <laughs> if you like the old errata or old lore it's it's up there you'll be able to find it it's you know if you know how to use the internet trust me you can find it so it's not like well, it's gone yeah, forever you can just buy uh at least the i assume the current printing still have this probably yeah yeah Get them now if you love racism in your D&D <laughs> books. You don't want to miss out. Uh, speaking of RPGs, I thought this was interesting. Free League is one of our favorite RPG publishers. They put out Tales from the Loop and uh, the recent Vasin. They have did the Alien role-playing game. They have a lot of really cool uh, original RPGs. And they've announced they're working on a new tool set called Free League Nexus. Essentially, it's going to be a way to play your RPGs online. Uh, this exists in other formats. Roll20 is a popular one that we've used a bunch of times. But this one is specifically geared towards their specific role-playing games. So it's going to include, you know, character sheets, ways for you to chat with each other, video chat, audio chat, whatever. Of course, it'll have built-in rules and all these things for their games. Uh, they haven't announced if it's what part of this will be paid or free or, uh, you know, what you'll need to do exactly to use all of the things. I imagine there'll be some kind of basic rule set you can access for at least one of the games, and then maybe you'll be able to purchase assets and things. And it should be being released sometime in 2022. Jeff, you said you'd, you'd only played D&D once, so maybe you're not uh, a, a huge role player, but have you ever tried any of these kind of online role-playing uh, apps that exist or what do, you, what do you think about the idea of being able to play stuff like this with folks who are not necessarily in the same room as you um yeah i haven't done much art in terms of rpgs um but i'm a big fan of like online implementation especially if it's going to make the experience better i mean during lockdown i played blood on the clock tower online a whole bunch with friends and i've played it in person before and i actually feel like hey like i think it may actually work better where we're all at home it's easier to have secret meetings with people um so i'm, I'm i totally think an online implementation can be more fun than than an in-person one in some cases 
Yeah. I mean, even especially for role-playing games, a big factor is scheduling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I know we played a fair amount of D&D during lockdown that way. And even without lockdown, I don't think we ever would have done it in person if we didn't have Roll20, mm-hmm. <laughs> like even half as much as we did. Uh, Will, do you think that this is, as people have used, you know, Roll20 can be used theoretically with any rule set does does something more specifically geared towards free league games do you think that'll be worthwhile i'm totally down for it because sometimes it's just easier when something has built in the rules it's sort of like how you know tabletop simulator any game can be put on there but you have to know and move the pieces versus you know board game arena or something where it knows like you have this much time or you can only move to these places so the fact that free league which has been hitting it out of the park with all the RPGs. I've loved all of them. I, I'm excited to actually try and use this, uh, for, in particular for Vason, because it looks like I'm just seeing like the example on the phone, like I can pull up a bestiary that way. It, it yeah. just looks like it, it's so much fun. I'm almost surprised that I feel like they're the first specific publisher to do this, and they do have a, you know, the D&D has uh, D&D Beyond. Yeah, there's D&D Beyond, but that's not a... Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But that has, like, tools to create characters and keep track of stuff. But I don't think it's, like, a Roll20 all-encompassing solution to play online type of thing. Like, you still would need Discord or something else to talk to people and look at a map and stuff. Right? Am I wrong? Uh, (laughs) I I don't know. I have not dived too much into D&D Beyond. I'm pretty sure that's that's the case. Uh, But... I, I I don't know. I'm surprised that there's not a, you know, it seems like Wizards of the Coast would have would have jumped on this. Like, I think, yeah, I'm looking at it now. You can get the books and stuff like that um, and, and character sheets. But I think it's all still it's more of a supplement than the full package. But I guess for them, that's good enough. And they, they're like, why should we put the effort in to make servers and stuff for people to play on when they have all these other options? So maybe that's the case. But it's cool. It's, and it's cool that Free League has enough of a enough clout, enough uh, games that they can make this worthwhile. And it's not just like, yeah, we have one or two things on here. They kind of have a full library at this point. And the last bit of news this week, there was a Nintendo Indie Direct last Wednesday where they announced a whole bunch of indie games coming to the Nintendo Switch. And one of those games is called Let's Play Oink Games. And Oink Games are a collection of physical card games. I believe they are Japanese in origin. Well, I think you have a few of these. I do, and yeah. And one of them is uh, Fake Artist Goes to New York. It's probably, I feel like, the most well-known one. Uh, where everyone is trying to draw a little piece of something, but one person doesn't know what you're drawing, and you have to try to guess who it is. And this Nintendo Switch collection has uh, four or five of these different games and pretty much recreates them in a way that is very true to the physical experience. You're still seeing dice and cards and things like that. It's it's presented as if you're selecting a game off a shelf and playing it with your friends. Jeff, have you tried any of these Oink games in in real life? If, if or are you a are you a Nintendo Switch gamer? What do you think about uh, having these as a digital collection? Sure, yeah. the The only one, the only Oink game I've tried is Deep Sea Adventure, which is part of this Nintendo package. Uh, mm. And it, it it's okay. I feel like I I wanted to like it more than I actually did. Um, but I I do like digital implementations of board games. Although I find I normally play them 
I enjoy them more on an iPad than on the Switch. On the Switch, I have Sagrada and Evolution. Um, mm-hmm. And I just find the times, like, I, I'm never going to sit down in my living room and play those. I feel like it's, hey, if I'm traveling, I enjoy it more. But for some reason, I have a lot more board games on my iPad. And the Concordia just came out with a great, great app. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if they are also doing an iPad version, but for some reason, just like the tactile tapping on the screen and picking places as opposed to using a joystick to to play a board game feels better to me. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I guess the advantage of on something like the Switch is that it's for more of a party game experience. You can mm-hmm. throw the Joy-Cons around and let people play. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to see. I don't know if they've announced online play for this one. Oh yeah no it does say supports online play so mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a positive thing mm-hmm. uh now I, th- this game is by the way available right now <laughs> this came out uh will did you buy this game i i did purchase it i've not played it yet because i was like oh i'll play it once i finish <laughs> other stuff <laughs> so no hands-on uh, reports as of yet but obviously you're in favor of it <laughs> yeah I, I actually like the idea of games like the oink series first of all as you said, it's Japanese in origin, which means it's harder to get your hands on. It's not mm. as widely spread. But I love the idea of games that have huge lines being in all one place. Sort of like the Jackbox games. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. where you can just be like, I would, wouldn't mind being able to buy a DLC pack. All right, we have the next four games on there. So I yeah. can just select all of them. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, this one is, goes goes for twenty one ninety nine, which is kind of that's a weird price. Just just make it nineteen ninety nine. Come on, <laughs> you needed those two dollars to have that strange retail price. Uh, but yeah, it looks cute. Uh, and I I don't think I actually have played any of these games. Although I I fake artist goes to New York. I feel like I've played so many variants of that idea that I can imagine what it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's for some reason they've never hit the table while I was around. But so maybe I should buy this so I can actually play one. I don't know. All right, so that's going to be the news segment this week. I'm not sure how this next segment's going to go, but we're going to find out as we head into the Kickstarter Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks nice. It's nice. It's nice. What about this one? Kickstarter Pickstarter. We've been mentioning it. Mentioning it, guys. It's close to the end of the year. I'm really, I'm starting to lose it. Every week we talk about how. Kickstarter projects are getting fewer and fewer towards the holiday. People don't launch as much because people are less likely to back it because they're spending their money on holiday gifts and such. So, uh, and this week I think is a particular low. There are not a ton of projects coming out. Uh, That said, there doesn't have to be just something from this week. I'm curious, Jeff, is there something from the last few weeks or anything that you've backed that you're anticipating that you want to talk about that is on Kickstarter or maybe even on GameFound or something like that? Uh, I think the last one that I backed was Voyages, um, oh. which was a, a print-at-home single-sheet game by Matthew Dunstan and I'm forgetting who else, one other person. But it's only print-and-play. That's the only way they're making it available. It was like five bucks to back. And it just seemed like a a, a fun roll-and-write, and they promise updates. Uh, you, you play as... I think just sailors on the sea trying to collect treasure and battle bad guys, uh, visit islands and pick up loot. Um, but simple, fun, cheap. Uh, and I thought it was innovative that they were doing print and play only. It looks great. So that's, uh, yeah, my most recent one. 
Yeah, that's come up on the show a few times now. I backed it too. Mm-hmm. I, so I, it seems like that's getting around, at least with board game people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I thought it looked pretty cool as well for all the reasons that you said. Uh, that And that did, yeah, that finished. That got funded. But yeah. because it's so easy, print and play, I'm sure whenever it's made available, you'll easily be able to find it online and buy it without having to have backed it before. Probably. Which is a pretty good thing for those kinds of projects. Uh, so, Will, was there anything anything new this week that caught your eye? Or was it was it dead for you? <laughs> um, I'm going to actually bring up something that I don't think we talked about last week, but I've been seeing a whole lot of people buzz about. All right. And it was like, and it just came out when we recording last time, so I'm, I'm counting as uh, good enough. And that's a uh, Shikoku 1889. All right. How, how, uh, how, what is this? How's this spelled? <laughs> Where is this? <laughs> uh, it is spelled S H I K O K U. It's part of like the 18XX series of games. Okay. All right. Uh, pretty much you are building up railways. So this is on Kickstarter? Yes, this okay. is on Kickstarter. And it's doing very well. It's probably one of the few Kickstarters uh, doing this well right now. And it, it seems to be like a classic, like, you know, your hexes making trains, but it seems to have a like stock markets and stuff to, and stuff uh, included. So it seems not just making trains, there's more going on and making some very fun little paths. It looks like the kind of game I'd like to see, like when a game ends and you see the map you've made. Sort of like um, uh, Maglev Metro. Mm, yeah, yeah. The, I, I have not, I had completely, this game is not on my radar in any regard. <laughs> I, I, I saw a reason on like the, the Borg Heat hotness list. So, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a reprinting of 1889 History of Shikoku Railways. I think they, I think they made a smart move making the title a little snappier. <laughs> Shikoku 1889. I have, I have no experience with any of these 18xx games. But I, yeah, same I, with me. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even know that was a thing until like earlier this month or last month. I remember like someone saying like, "I'm a big fan of the 18xx." I'm like, "What's 18xx?" This <laughs> shows you know. how uh, knowledgeable I am. <laughs> yeah, after years and years covering the the industry, we still know nothing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I only I just see it talked about, and in my mind, it feels like just a. I don't know. I put it in the same categories like war games or like GMT kind of looking games that just sort of look dry and not that fun to me. <laughs> but this says a fantastic entry point into the 18xx genre. So maybe it is. Maybe it is that. Some of the art does look pretty. I, I do want to point out, by the way, not just this, just generally with Kickstarter, part of the reason it becomes hard to choose. I feel like I this, I chose this because this is like the only board game I could find. <laughs> like everything mm. is not even like a full RPG, maybe a zine or like a lot of 3d miniatures like files for 3d printing yeah yeah that's a that's a big thing <laughs> pretty boring uh there's another one that was really that's done really well in the last week is call of Killforth. uh that's that that one raised over two hundred thousand dollars and it's like big sprawling fantasy card game so you know i guess some people are able to find success still it's not like nobody's gonna back anything but I guess if one if one big project has found that spot, nobody else really wants to try for it or they're better off just waiting until a little bit later on. So uh, 
that's it. I think that's probably going to be the case. We, we might not even have a Kickstarter segment on the next episode <laughs> because I just, yeah, it's, it's that time of the year, but I'm sure they'll pick back up again sometime in January. Now that you said that there's going to be like a surprise Kickstarter drop of like fire Haven. <laughs> I was just going to say fire Haven before you said that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Spooky. You guys are on the same wavelength. <laughs> oh, mean, you don't want to be on my wavelength. I suggest you change really quickly. <laughs> Bad yeah. things happen. Just yeah. ask Jonathan. It could be. It could be dangerous. I I do everything I can to avoid it. All right. Well, since there aren't too many games on Kickstarter to look forward to, I would be delighted if we could discuss games that exist IRL that we have been able to play ourselves in the table talk section. I don't know if my table talk. Table talk. Table talk. Table talk. Table talk. I have to make that bumper a little longer so to fill the space because we didn't have a Kickstarter segment this week. <laughs> uh, we will begin with you, Jeff. What have you been able to get to the table in recent times that you want to talk about? Uh, I just played Final Girl today, a uh, new solo game by Van Ryder Games. Are you guys familiar? We are. I, I, I played it for the first time uh, a week or two ago. I just, just, just the one time. I, I did the... Um, the basic Hans, is it Hans? The- Hans in the the summer camp. That's the one that I did as well. Great. Which seems, even though you can buy any set, that seems like the sort of the default one, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy. I think it like had that feel. Like for me, it literally came down to the wire where where my final girl and Hans had each had one heart left, and it came down to one last roll, um, and I, I did lose. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I feel like it it uh, scratched the kind of uh, like too many bones itch for me, but a little speedier. Um, but yeah, looking forward to trying more variations of it. Have you ever played the original game Hostage Negotiator that Final Girl sort of takes from? I have not, but I've heard everyone saying this is be- be- basically a, a better implementation of that. So um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do think it is unless, uh, well, Hostage Negotiator does have at this point has so many expansions and modules and things, but I think at least as a base product, uh, I think this goes in some more interesting directions. Uh, Yeah. There's some really, I I would love to, this is a game that I feel like has all kinds of different possibilities. And even just with one set, there's different items and layouts and events that can occur. Mm -hmm. I know in my game, uh, I started out with a girlfriend, uh, which means one of the victims usually they're just anonymous, but one of my victims was a girlfriend. And basically if you kept her in the same space with you, you would get an extra die to all your roles. So it was really Mm -hmm. strong. But if she was ever taken out, you would like the horror would increase by a huge amount. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one I played, it started with, there was one victim who was the furthest away from the killer, who is going to be the constant target, no matter what, Mm. until that, until that victim is killed. So I literally, the whole game was just, I just grabbed that victim and was going circles around the edge so that the, the killer ended up killing nobody <laughs> because <laughs> I, I just, it just worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone listening who doesn't know, this is a, this is a solo only game that's kind of based on horror movies. So I am, I also really want to ask you about that. Is this a, do you do a lot of solo board gaming? Is it something you typically enjoy or is this a different thing for you? 
Uh, it's something I definitely picked it up a lot more uh, while we were in lockdown. But yeah, I, I've done a whole bunch. Um, a lot of the I've been doing a lot of the button shy solo games. Mm. Um, I got really into Cloud Spire and Too Many Bones solo. So yeah, I, 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 I do a good amount uh, mixed in with my my normal gaming sessions. So then did you in fact play your next game solo or did you have a group for it? <laughs> so yeah, uh, I also just finished detective, a modern crime board game solo and that, uh, I really enjoyed Chronicles of crime. I feel like I enjoy Chronicles of crime more than this, which again is just a, it's a, a five part detective story as a board game. You have cards that, uh, offer you leads and you are basically, it's almost like a choose your own adventure where time limits how many things you can actually discover. And I feel like it was really well done. They they advise you to like take paper and draw like maps like to locations and events and dates. And I didn't do that. And I feel like it probably would have been a better experience if I did do that. It just turned out to be so many things to remember and so many companies and people and names uh, that made it very difficult to to do without that. So I, I sort of wish. I went, but maybe I'll go back and do that or, or try an expansion like that. Yeah, I so we I recently played uh, Dune House Secrets, mm -hmm. which is their new Dune based game, but it's basically the same idea. It's simplified and it's a little simpler, uh, but it's essentially the same kind of gameplay. And I played that one solo, whereas Will and I had done the original detective games together. And I do think there's something when I was playing Dune solo. I was like, I don't want to write down notes for this. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it, I feel like it's so much work. Whereas when it's the two of us, it feels more like, okay, like this is an activity. Yeah. I'm really going to get into it. We're going to like look at these and discuss it. I think for me, there was something for the fact that I was by myself. It just felt like eh, it's too much work. I don't Who cares if I forget something, I'll figure it out. I don't know. Uh, but detective, the original one does have, you know, there's a lot of, there is a lot of stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> to keep track of. There's a lot of minutia. Uh, Will, what's your? I don't. I don't know. I've, I'm sure we've talked about this before. Do you gen have a general feel between uh, like Detective Chronicles of Crime? I, I need. I think Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is your favorite one of those. Yeah. But. Uh. I. Yeah. I think Sherlock is my favorite of that style. Um. I. I don't know. I feel like I can jump between. Uh, detective, the modern detective, as well as the uh, no, Chronicles of, of Crime. Not, Chronicles of Crime. I I, I do want to remember mention that the the noir one that you have, which I'm also I think has detective in the name. You're talking about detectives, L.A. something something. Yeah, <laughs> like I really do like that style. I yeah, think that that's a really that's well. a very different one where it's actually the everyone's competing to solve the mystery. Uh, city I, of angels i think it's called detective city yeah of angels. that's it yeah I, and i really do enjoy that style uh, as well because that one feels a bit more i guess that one's definitely the more gamey one yeah yeah it ha that has a lot of more stuff going on i wish i want a detective modern crime game gameplay with the story and theme of chronicles of crime mm -hmm. i really i like the detective gameplay i mean the app stuff is cool in chronicles too but i do find the modern crime version of it sometimes is very dry there's a yeah. lot of there are a lot of cards where it's just like you, you got some coffee and you went for a long walk <laughs> i feel like every card starts like that like hey you say hey to the secretary and you talk right. about your day and then 
here's the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which maybe they do on purpose, so it's I don't know. So the clues are hidden or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes it can just be like, okay, I don't. This is not that memorable. Memorable. Oh, I told you guys, I'm really. <laughs> 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 I need. I need a break. Um, like I, I think I could play Detective Modern Crime board game right now. I don't think I remember any of the things that happened in it. <laughs> I don't know that I would be have any advantage from having played it once before. We did play the expansion uh, LA again. There's an expansion for a modern crime board game called LA Crimes. <laughs> it's very confusing. And that one was pretty fun. That has that's a little bit smaller but has some fun stuff in it. And then mm-hmm. there's a couple of standalone ones now too that we haven't tried that are from different designers like Rob Davio did one. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of neat. All right, so that's Detective of Modern Crime Board Game. Uh, Will and I had a little game night. We got to play some games that we can talk about. I was starting with Cascadia, the one that everyone's been buzzing about that uh, Will picked up at PAX Unplugged. This is a tile-laying game from uh, uh, what's Flat Out Games. That's who it is. Uh, the same group who did Calico. So they they really have this style down. This one is all about building up the region of Cascadia, I learned it's the name of a region, uh, a natural mountainous region with all kinds of animals in it. And basically there are four tiles each round on your turn. You choose one of them along with a little token of an animal and you try to match them somewhere in your own personal space. They're all uh, six-sided tiles and you'll get points for matching up the terrain types and also points for the different animals depending on how they score. So they're all different. Some of them might want to be like the hawks want to be all by themselves or the foxes get a point for each different animal that's touching them. And there's different types of scoring cards. So depending on what, how you play, which cards you pick, those conditions could be different. But it's one of those kinds of games where you're trying to bet on which tiles are going to come out because it is random after you draw one. And mostly you're working kind of in your own personal space of your own tiles that you're spreading out, but you might want to keep an eye on your opponents, make sure they're not competing with you for a certain animal type, or maybe you think they have more water area than you, because at the end you'll be rewarded for having the biggest water space or something like that. So, Will, did it live up to the hype? I know this was one you were really looking forward to playing. So one of the reasons I remember when I first heard in mistook it as something I'd get later and wouldn't be like something everyone talking about. I'm like, oh, it seems pretty simple. And when I brought it to the table and explained the rules, part of me's like, this does still seem simple. I'm a little worried. But once I started playing at the puzzle nature of it was just so amazing thing. Like, all right, if I take this one, I put it here and do there. That's all right. I can start making my salmon run this way. And that could be a good place for the bears and the fox. <laughs> like it, it was just surprising how much, how like uh, I was drawn into the game. So your, your worry was that it would be too simple. Yeah. Like you'd be like, I get it. All right. I just Mm. take a tile and done, you know, Mm. like Uh, go fish or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I do kind of feel like I get it, (laughs) but that's not to say I didn't enjoy my time with it. Uh, I I do think there is, there is fun to be had there. I guess when when I say I get it, I mean like you don't, you're done. You don't need to play it again. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you've experienced it. I'm excited to try it out solo. I want to try out the, di- the other different cards. Obviously, it does help. The components are very nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. We had a very close game, which I, which I thought was awesome. There was three of us. We were all within like three points of each other. I would be very curious to see if we played more of it, if that changes or if that's a consistent thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess that, I guess there's not as much opportunity in this game to mess with each other. <laughs> so that is a nice thing about it. it that, maybe that's another reason why I really like it. <laughs> I tend to like games when I get to just do my thing. Yeah. It is surprising to me that like, when when this came out, I was like, man, like how can a game that seems so simple still come out in like 2021? Like it just is surprising to right. me. Like, oh, no one's done this in this way, but it's it, you just got to find that one thing and you can have a hit game, which is interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it's it's like this. This there's no reason this couldn't have been made five years ago. Yeah, uh, and I also think the theme goes a long way, and the art. It's it's Beth Sobel, right? Is the yeah, it's Beth Sobel. Yeah, so. That's a that's a huge part of it. I I will say it is definitely we were talking we were comparing it to Calico a couple of weeks ago. I forget which other guest had had been playing it, mm-hmm. and uh, I definitely I think this is more this is less stressful than Calico to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I also think Calico I remember is also relatively simple. But mm-hmm. I introduced it to some friends, and like there was a lot of confusion about how exactly the scoring works with the tiles, which I don't think is an issue in this game. It's it's definitely much easier to pick up on. I don't know. Like, I definitely enjoyed it and I want to play it more. It is a thing we're, we're, we've been talking also about in other places about uh, innovation in board games and stuff like that. So to me, it's almost it's a good thing and a bad thing that it feels so so like a game that could have existed forever. Mm-hmm. Like I still like it, but it is like, well, if you already have two or three other tile lane games, I don't know that this one is really breaking the mold in such a big way that you need to play it. But I, I did enjoy my time with it. So I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of split in that way. But that's that's me being like a jaded guy who's just plays too many games. <laughs> I don't want to respond too much for that because we'll have to see when we do the top 10 lists. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, it's that means it's going to be in your top 10. I feel like you, told, you just told me. Probably, but... <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Calico barely made my top 10 last year. I don't know if this if this would. I, it's, it is very... Um, like I said, I liked it, but I, I don't know. I'll have to look and see. I have not thought about that stuff. I think you have. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't thought about that as much. So that's Cascadia. And next, we returned to another game. We played our second quest in Descent: Legends of the Dark, big old dungeon crawl game from Fantasy Flight, app based game, new edition of Descent. And whereas before we played with the two of us controlling two characters each, now we had a third person in the mix. So we each just had one character and no spoilers, but the the mission was going to some thieves hideout and you're trying to recover some some stuff that they brought back for you. Honestly, I don't know that I could spoil this game narratively. It's not, it's never, we're only on the second quest. There's not like a million exciting twists and turns, I don't think. But it, it it was a one thing I'll say about Descent. This game, if you're gonna play Descent Legends of the Dark, probably it should just be your game of the evening. <laughs> it is <laughs> always, and maybe I'm I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like even Gloomhaven, the missions don't feel as sprawling as this. I mean, maybe that's because in Gloomhaven, when you set it up, you like can see the map and you know the scope of it because descent is app based 
you just never know when it's going to end. And when you feel like, oh, this seems like the last part of it, the app says, bring out the next tile, put these new enemies on it. You got another and, objective. Yeah. And then you just see objective. And you're like, wait, this isn't final. <laughs> yeah. There's another thing to do. And it's like, is this going to end soon? Which I feel like so far, the two scenarios we've played, I feel like they easily could have split them into two each. Like, oh, yeah. They could have been four scenarios. So I guess it's cool that they're like, no, we're going to go all out. You get the full experience every time. But it is a little bit exhausting. <laughs> How long has each one taken for you? I think both were around three hours. Okay. Which isn't, you know, we've played games certainly that are longer than that. But that's also like that's not including, uh, you know, remembering the rules, the setup, and then afterwards going into the town and do we want to buy stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. We did teach a new person that the person we wanted to be at the original first game because he used to be our descent dungeon master, our evil overlord. But this time he wasn't throwing spiders and shadow dragons at us. Right. This was only a fully co-op version of the game. And it was kind of neat because he he had played enough of descent and other games that we kind of didn't really need to teach him how to play. <laughs> we were huh. just like, here's your reference card. You can move, you can attack. The app kind of does it for you. Uh, and he picked up on it pretty quick, which was good. Uh, but I, I still did enjoy my time with it. And I think how did you feel? Cause you played with a different character instead of sticking with the one you had before. Um, I felt fine about it. I didn't I didn't really have a strong feeling of, oh, I like this character or I don't. It, it was just sort of what it was. I played with uh, the ranged bow and arrow guy. And last time I had, I can't even remember. I think I had one ranged person, one less ranged person. <laughs> uh, but it was fine. I, I, well, I know. I mean, you had a harrowing experience because you almost I played died. the tank and I was... You maybe tanked the end of the a game, little too hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had one life. No, sorry, three because you found something that healed, but pretty much one life and major wounds, which means if I took one damage, which if uh, in that scenario, without spoiling, is very easy, uh, I could have lost the game for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing, I almost, I mean, I shouldn't say I wish you lost, but I, this is a game where when you lose, you don't replay it. It just has a story impact. So I think that would be interesting to see because I'm if and when I'm sh- I'm sure we're going to lose one of these, uh, how that affects the rest of the game. Because you know we've talked about this before. I prefer that to just do it again or what have you. Uh, Jeff, are, have you done a lot of these campaign games? Are you did you play Gloomhaven or any of these other versions of that? I did a lot of Gloomhaven. It's it's it stopped when we went to lockdown, but I was like I, I was just about to move on to a new character in Gloomhaven. I just retired my first one and never got to start my second one. Yeah. Um but I'll probably do Jaws of the Lion at some point in the near future. Um but yeah, I, I really enjoy them. I like I feel like time wise it's about the same where when I, my Gloomhaven sessions were all three hours after setup and whatnot. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, this one I I, I was interested. I feel like I've heard a lot more mixed things about this than than other similar games. So interesting hearing you guys talk about it. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, my gut reaction is that a lot of the negative feelings are people who really don't like apps. Mm-hmm. And both Will and I are totally down for apps. In yeah. Games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I like all that stuff. I will say, especially this time with three people, you know, there are those moments where someone else is just looking at the app and 
because it's on just on a phone, maybe maybe someone if they have a better setup, it's on an iPad or something. Everybody can look at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we. Uh, I liked what you tried, but it was late, <laughs> and you're like, you know, I'm gonna skip it. You tried to uh, cast it to your TV. That would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I should do this, but it wasn't working. I was like, I don't feel like figuring this out right now. Yeah, it was a last minute thing. It was something <laughs> like you didn't think about beforehand. That would be the thing I would want to like. If I think that Gloomhaven might be played, I might learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there is definitely, you know, I, I I said when we first played it, this game is it feels so much like Lord of the Rings: Journeys in Middle Earth. This game definitely does have a lot bigger focus just on combat, and I, we'll see how like upgrading our characters and stuff, how fun that is going forward. Even though we we've got some cool weapons, yeah, we've definitely we've got some stuff so far. We've also have we keep getting all these materials for crafting, and I, I just have no idea what they are. It's almost comical because you open a chest and it's like you got 18 root of thim warp. And it's like, okay, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I think that the thing is, from what I can tell, we'll have to find out that you do the first mission, which teaches you everything and teaches you that missions will be very longer. Then they give you two options, each one with a new character. And one of them, I'm pretty sure it's like this one unlocks all the forging. Mm. And we did the other one. Hmm. Hmm. yeah so i think that's the it's one of those things like they're yeah they're doling it out to us slowly so we can learn yeah so uh that was descent legends of the dark i'm yeah i'm uh, i'm into it but you know all these campaign games are just they're not i i really have to be (laughs) it's just hard (laughs) there's just so much (laughs) of it it's hard for me uh but we also finished the night with one other game much lighter basically the exact opposite of legends of the dark it's called buried treasure spelled like a berry that you eat this is from restoration games and it is themed around you're a bunch of raccoons stealing pies and the way it works is there are colorful cards laid out on the table there's four different colors that all represent different types of desserts and on your turn you take one of those cards and if there is a more card spelled m-o-a-r then you can take another card a second one of the matching color on the same turn if one is available for you to take and some of the cards also will let you steal from other people so maybe you'll take one blue and then you can also steal two blue from somebody else and at the end of each round you'll get scored based on who has first second and third place of the most of each color but the scoring changes each round so the first round maybe blue are worth the most but the second round blue might be second third or fourth most points so it's very very simple essentially all you're doing is saying there's a color i'm taking it and I hope I have more than everybody else. But where the game kind of comes into play is the meta aspect of, okay, I'm going to take, if I take this blue card, that reveals a pink card. And I don't want, that pink card will let someone else steal my pink cards. So even though I want the blue card, I'm going to take that card over there so nobody can steal from me. Those sorts of things of of reading each other. I compared it to the, uh, I don't know what it's called, the honeycomb mini game in Mario Party 1 or 2, where you're standing in a line and you hit a dice block and you have to decide if you're going to take one, two, or three things. And uh, you have to try to look ahead and figure out what everyone's going to do, depending on their position in line. I had fun with the game. It's it's a super casual game. Will, you also had fun with it? Yeah, I, I thought it was really cute and silly, even though it was obviously made a lot of... Uh literally rules mistakes because i was just tired and i i think the art is great i 
I like raccoons, so I like the theme. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> funny that like... it's 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 re-implementing a game called Buried Treasure, buried oh, yeah. spelled the way you'd think. Yeah. Um, but they're just like, ah, let's not make another pirate game. Let's do something new. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, it's, it has a very weird history. <laughs> it is interesting that the name is a pun on a title of a game that I imagine most people don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it works because you, everyone knows buried treasure, but it is kind of, it's almost like an inside joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do like the, the new theme is definitely funny. Uh, yeah. It's, and even though like the game is so, so casual and simple, you can still, if you want to, and maybe this is a, a point against it. Some people might go too far in this direction where, you can kind of get too mathy with it. If you really want to, you can try to look at all the cards available on the table and figure out the permutations of who's going to take what. Uh, but I don't know. Is that whose fault is that? If you do that, I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not what I do. That's for sure. So buried treasure. I think that's also that like just came. It was at PAX. So I'm not sure if you'll be able to find it everywhere yet, but restoration games always does, does fun stuff. And this is another good one from them. And that's all the stuff that we've been playing, which means it's time for us. I'm very excited because we're going to play a board game game. That's right. We're going to play a board game game right now. And inspired by the dragon's tomb, this week's game is about dragons. So how do you like that? It's called here be or not be dragons. Here's the way this game is going to work. I am going to name a board game. Jeff and Will will be competing. You will buzz in by, I don't know, you can just say buzz. You can just shout, whatever makes you happy. And then you have to tell me, are there dragons in this game or are there not dragons in this game? And your answer must be in the form of B or not B. Are these rules clear to everyone? (laughs) Yes, I think so. <laughs> All right. And so so our answer is only B. It's not like there be dragons in this game. We're just saying B or not B. Uh, yeah, I, okay. I think so. You know, as long as the words B or not B are in there. Great. I'll accept it. B or not B dragons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that sounds perfect. All right. So, for example, if I were to say Dungeons and Dragons buzz <laughs> yes i would say jeff go ahead and you would say b and i'd say b i hope okay <laughs> all right that will not be one of the choices all right so here we go get ready uh hands on your buzzers first to be called we'll get to we'll get to guess i get if you if you're wrong well no the other person doesn't get to guess because they'll know the answer <laughs> <laughs> all right first up clank uh buzz b yeah, that's correct yes clank has a dragon in it you uh get eaten by it or something if you <laughs> stay in there too long all right next I, I i gotta keep track of your points too all right next trogdor buzz yes b that's right trogdor of course is a dragon point to both of you you are both on the board next vast the mysterious manner buzz yes b Oh, Mysterious Manor. Oh, oh I no. tricked you, oh, Jeff. No. I tricked you. <laughs> Vast, I, yep. the Crystal Caverns has a dragon in it, but Mysterious Manor, not, not B. Not B. Fell for my trap. All right, still a tie game. Next one, Citadels. Buzz. Yes. Not B. 
I believe the answer is B. Oh, no. <laughs> what? There is a... Now, and someone... I know I'm going to get uh, emails about this, but there is a Dragon Gate card in Citadels, oh. and there are dragons on the art of that card. So, Oh, so that counts as... If oh, there's, boy. Well, there's a dragon <laughs> in the game, isn't there? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, take it up with my lawyer. All right. Next... Mage Knight. Buzz. Uh, Buzz. I think Jeff came in first on that one. I'll say B. Yes, there is. There definitely are dragons in Mage Knight. All right. Mice and Mystics. Buzz. Yes. Not, uh, not B. That's correct. Although in some of the lore I found, they do make reference to uh, dragons in the history of Mice and Mystics. I don't think they actually appear in the Mice and Mystics game. <laughs> All right. Edge of Darkness. Ooh. Ooh I'm scared you with this oh, one. Oh god. <laughs> I I feel like they're I'll I'll just take a 50-50 so I'll buzz and I'll say B. Nope, sorry. No ah. dragons in Edge of Darkness. <laughs> I had a few I was like I wasn't sure like there could be like one like zombie dragon or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think, but no. All right, next Ghost Stories. Ooh, I don't know anything about ghost stories. Uh, I'll go well, Buzz B. Nope. Sorry. There's uh, only ghosts, no dragons. <laughs> that might have been like a final form of whatever that guy's name is. Right? Right? You'd think, but no, he's not. His name is Wu Feng. All right. Forgotten Waters. Mm, I'll buzz and say not B. That's correct. No dragons in Forgotten Waters. Mm -hmm. None of that shenanigans unless they added an expansion later on. Next, Disney Villainous. Buzz? Yes, well. B. That's correct. Maleficent is in dragon form in Disney Villainous. Hmm. Next game, Sanctum. Ooh. Check games, Sanctum. I'm, I'm actually just playing. I can't even picture the game. <laughs> I, I can oh, now I can. Uh, buzz, not B. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, that's correct. Not 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 B. It's just there's a demon, but there's no dragon. Mm -hmm. That that's correct. That's correct. Well, you gotta wait for me to call on you. Don't just shout out the answer. <laughs> Relax <laughs> over there. All right. If this were a real game show, uh, it, it's not though. Okay. Next up, <laughs> War of the Ring. Um, I'll buzz and say B. I'm afraid there's no dragons, no, even really? though Smaug is not around in War of yeah. the Ring. There's no uh, no dragons in there. All right, next up, Unmatched. Uh, and uh, this could, I'll just say this could include expansions, possibly. So I'm not naming a specific set. So then I'll say, based on that clue, I will buzz <laughs> yes. and say B. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like, inference. oh, it includes an expansion, and those expansions don't have dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Good instincts. Good instincts, yes. I'll give bonus points if anyone knows what expansion it is. Please tell me you're not talking about Iron Fist. I'm not talking about Iron Fist. It's even, it's, you'll be even madder about it. Does, like, Bruce Lee? <laughs> That's right. Bruce Lee's yeah. got a dragon on one of his cars. All right. <laughs> All right. We've got a few more here for you. Magic Maze. Buzz. Yes. 
not be. That's right. No dragons in Magic Maze. There's oh wizards God. and such, but no dragons. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if there's like a picture of a dragon on a tile or something. <laughs> Bruce Lee counts. <laughs> well, but isn't it like a mall? Where are it's you? It's a fantasy mall. Fantasy mall. So okay, like, yeah. there could have been a dragon, like the dragon ride or something. Yeah. Yeah. I almost now want to go find it and be like, Jonathan, on tile 4B, there's a dragon. <laughs> yeah, because you're a spiteful, vindictive man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's a very close game right now. Very close. Uh, Jeff's ahead with one point, but there's still anything could happen right now. Next game, Everdell. Buzz. Yes. Not B. That's right. No, no dragons in Everdell, just cute little furry critters. And also some cute little scaly critters, but they're not dragons. <laughs> Next game, Soro. T-S-U-R-O. Buzz. Yes. Uh, B. That's right. There's a big old dragon. You're all dragons following your little lines in the in the game of sorrow next game seasons Ooh. buzz yes b that's correct there is uh although i believe it is only in the form of a skull there is a dragon's skull in oh the i game thought there might seasons. i thought there might have been like a pixie dragon or something mm, maybe i don't know but i know there's a skull all right i have one more and it's a tie game which means you might just want to buzz in for the 50-50 shot of money. <laughs> but we'll see. Last last clue. Here it comes. Pictomania. Buzz. buzz. Oh, man. I mean, I think that was right at the same time. I think you both know the answer to this one. <laughs> Go ahead. Say it at the same time. Three. You, you cut us down. John, yeah. John has a three, two, one, go. B. B. Yeah, that's right. The Pictomania dragon <laughs> on the cover of the box, which means it's a tie game at seven to seven. Uh, how about that? Very exciting. And Pictomania I, was one of my PAX pickups. Oh, Good I love that game. Yeah, really fun. I, what I, I hate about that game is Jonathan always brings it out when I'm like doing something else. <laughs> right. So I'll like walk back and he's in the middle of it. I'm like, you're playing Pictomania without me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a game I bought twice because they came out with a new edition of it. It's, the new one is, I like it. It's nicer. So uh, yeah, I, I, listen, any listeners, please feel free to write in and tell me how actually the, in this expansion, in this promo card in the corner, there's a dragon of any of these games. I'm open to it. <laughs> or if something doesn't count, just let me know. I'd be happy to hear it. But uh, kind of kind of a, a little bit of an abbreviated show this week because usually we spend more time on Kickstarters, but that's okay. It was all the sweeter, short but sweet. And Jeff, we couldn't have done it without you. You earned tons of experience points from oh, this great, adventure. We're going to let you spend those points right now by telling all the listeners how and where they can follow you online. Sure, you can find me. Uh, my main site is YouTube. So YouTube, search for The Dragons 2, my Usually get about two videos a month, so be on the lookout for those. And on Twitter, I'm at uh, Dragon's Tomb. All right, we'll put links to that in the show notes. Uh, the Dragon's Tomb is hilarious. I love, I love what you're doing over there. I mean, sometimes you also do Kickstarter projects. You, you do. All I try to of... vary it up. I got unboxings, mini paintings, uh, board game adjacent product reviews. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot, of, a lot of good, st helpful information on there. Definitely take a look. Absolutely, the most accurate information you can get about board games. Mm -hmm. as I've far got as a review of a board game foot massager coming out soon. Oh yes! Ooh. All right, I, that I love the tease. Now I'm excited. Uh, now, if you would like more of the roll for crit thing, guess what? 
you can go to rollforcrit.com. You'll find our YouTube content, live streams, and other stuff over there. Uh, you can support us on Patreon if you want. Join our Discord server. Get bonus podcast episodes. Or you could rate and review us on iTunes just to make us feel good about ourselves. If you have a question, a comment, or a complaint about the Dragon game we just played, you can email us. Use our email address, meeplegallery at gmail.com to join the Meeple Gallery. And that's going to do it. Thanks again, Jeff, for hanging out with us on the show today. And I hope you have a good, uh, a good rest of your year, a good holiday, and all that kind of stuff. You all as well. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit. Thank you.